Now get ready. The ride is going to get a lot more interesting from here. Here's why. When I said that the energy of our next speaker might strike you like a hurricane, I meant it. We're going to go on a journey with a man who promises that he will drive you nuts and you will love it. So help me welcome to the stage. Come on into the studio. Hurricane, you have the power. What? Hello. Almost. <laughs> Hello there. This is Hurricane H. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I can hear you and see you, and I can hear you in stereo. So what was that all about? Oh, that was just my little <laughs> entrance. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Here comes the hurricane. <laughs> I got my special effects going on here, so don't, don't mind me. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to have a good time with you because you are used to coming in like the hurricane. And so I want you to first explain to people, where did you get that name? Oh, <laughs> you know, come on, because I, I know a little bit about this story when you interviewed me on your podcast, but now it's my turn. So come on, what's the story? Tell well, it like all, I've never heard it. First of all, thank you, Jackie, for having me here. And it's, it's reverse. We have reverse roles right now. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, well, actually, Hurricane is... Um, um, so I, I've been in my career in New York City pretty much all my life and, uh, well, my, 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 my business life. And um, it, two years ago, I had an opportunity to work in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, obviously. And uh, so same business, just different pace in terms okay, of work. Okay, pause. Yep. Pause. You've got to tell people what the business is so they have context. Yes. All right. So 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 I my career path, my 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 day-to-day, -day, you know, uh, job is in the HMO world, the health maintenance organization, managed care, insurance, uh, usually and primarily government programs. We do other things, but those are the primary. So Medicaid, Medicare, uh, state insurance for children, things like that. We and, can tell that you're from New York by the pace of your speech. All so right, well. <laughs> I will invite you to slow it down because my ears cannot listen as fast as you speak. Okay, I'm gonna try to turn it down. How about that? Well, we said a hurricane, so hurricane comes with, with, with some noise. <laughs> All right, so I'm slowing it down. But, but yeah, so, so um, I started my career path in literally in 94, uh, 93, 94, actually, uh, borderline, 93, end of 93. And uh, I started in the insurance world in, in a new movement, and I'm talking about movement. It was just a, a new concept that was uh, designed to help people um, that have Medicaid or any government programs uh, move into like some sort of a managed care concept so that's where we started and of course over the years uh, you know I, I was able to move fast in my career path to the next level and the hierarchy you know uh, you know uh, levels and eventually I, I made it to senior uh, management and um, one opportunity came to Philadelphia as you know to run a division of sales and so uh, Coming from New York market, grassroots, crazy, you know, all over there. It's like guerrilla marketing going on and everything. And, uh, you know, it's really sales, you know, hardcore sales, right? And so, you know, everything is different. The way we do operations, the way we run business, the way we do training, the way we do everything. And we do everything fast. So I'm trying to slow down, but that's how we do it in general, right? Uh, it, it's just amazing because that's just the way it is, right? In New York, it just everything is moving quick. That's and, the pace of life in New York. I'm, I'm, my guy's a Bronx boy. I get it. 
<laughs> there you go. So, you know, and, and, and what happened is, so I go there and actually the team that brought me there, my, 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 you know, uh, senior uh, person, uh, who's the chief, the CEO, the CEO at the time, he, um, he came also from New York, obviously we worked together in, in the city. And, um, and so, so he said, come on in, we have an opportunity for you. Come on and, and make some moves here. So I go and I do my thing. <laughs> and, and what happened is the pace that I brought in or the energy level that I brought in was very fast for them. I mean, it was just a fact. And I didn't give the name to myself. They gave it to me. So, <laughs> so when I go to places, there's a meeting or something. Oh my God, here comes a hurricane. Here comes Hurricane H. And now, so my first name is Hisham. My middle name is John. My last name is Alan Mari. But so known in the industry as Hisham. So here comes Hurricane Hisham, thus Hurricane H. Now, when I, you know, obviously, eventually, I could not keep up with that pace, to be honest with you. <laughs> I missed my, my New York speed. <laughs> so I went back to New York about, a, you know, just uh, in the middle of COVID, actually, last year. And uh, also, the commute was killing me. I was doing about two hours each way. Uh, I mean, listen, for me, opportunity is opportunity. You go after the opportunity. Um, you go whatever it is, right? And okay, so that, pause. Yep. We're going to let everybody take a deep breath. Okay. And we're going to say, how long were you in Philadelphia? Two years. Two years. Okay. So for two years, you were doing the two plus hour commute each way. Yes. Because opportunity is where opportunity is. That is right. So that is right. what was the opportunity that brought you back to New York? A similar opportunity, <laughs> literally, just uh, closer to home. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. And uh, it, again, just similar industry, similar uh, concept, you know, same role, basically, just in a New York plan. And I, I believe it or not, at the time, there was... So I worked in the company. I was the chief sales and marketing officer in New York, and the company closed. And so for about a year, I did some consulting until the Philadelphia, you know, came upon. And of course, at the time, there was nothing going on in New York City. And, and again, as you go to a VP level, things like that, it's just harder to find these jobs. And you, you can select a different role, but it might not be at the same pay. It may be a little difficult, maybe hard for your resume, whatever. So for, for me, uh, you know, just a, an aspect of <laughs> aesthetic. In so your resume. Now we understand opportunity is where opportunity is. Exactly. And you had been without an opportunity for a year. So a two and a half hour commute made sense. That's correct. Yes. Okay. You, you got you to do, do what you got to do, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Context is really helpful because I, in my wildest dreams, could not figure out how a two and a half hour commute each way made sense. Well, now I get it. Too. <laughs> yeah. I get it. You were incentivized both by the carrot and the stick. That's right. Well, to be honest with you, there was another thing there. And um, I, I always believe in following the right leadership. And so the person I went with, and the persons, I mean, there was two of them. Uh, they're just awesome people and you want to work with them. And they are true leaders in the, in the business. And so that was another reason why I went. I mean, I, you know, even an opportunity comes in, sometimes you got to be selective as who you work with and things like that. So that was one of the main thing, you know, uh, in addition to the money, of course, <laughs> and just the fact that it's a good time. <laughs> so, uh, but that's that. So that's, so, so my name became Hurricane H uh, in, in, in that world. Uh, some of them call me Tasmanian devil. So that was another one. <laughs> the Tasmanian devil. There That's we right. go. That, that that explains a lot about your energy. That's a great visual. <laughs> that was exactly the visual is, about is it. Is that why your emblem is a is a a triangle like that? Because that's what the Tasmanian devil looked like when he was traveling <laughs> Are you around. About that? <laughs> yeah. No, that's just my, my radio uh, logo. 
Um, so, so, so when I decided to, to do this, my, my regular, you know, radio podcast and all the stuff, I uh, wanted to have a stage name and, uh, you know, I was thinking like, well, it couldn't be anything better. I mean, I already have one, <laughs> Hurricane H it is. Now, obviously the radio and the channel is dedicated to health, uh, all physical, mental, spiritual. Okay. Nobody so, has your resume. So yeah, we're no, going to talk it. about this. Yep. How we met was that I got matched up as a possible guest for you on your podcast, and it's I Help Radio. That is correct, yes. Okay, so now you can unpack the components of health, but take a deep breath first. We're going to slow you down just a little more, because you slow down for about three sentences, <laughs> and then your foot goes back on the accelerator. So slow it down for it. All right, I'll try. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> I, I, I've been told that before, so don't worry. I, you know, I just have to slow it down and see, see where I can go from there. But not too slow. <laughs> not too slow. I not would never slow. expect you to go slow. I just, you know, it's like, all right, if I'm struggling to catch your words, I know that anyone in the audience might be having a similar issue. And, you know, I'm wondering if part of it would help is if your microphone was a little lower. And that would be just for those of us that sometimes lip read to stay caught up with things. We'd be able know. to speak. No, I don't mean your volume lower. Uh-huh. I mean oh, your you microphone. Mean... Not there you uh, go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, so my don't physical... turn your volume down. That that would be bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, I wasn't sure if it was it was the volume that was too high or just this, but now is it good? Yeah, that's much right. better. Thank you. Right. You're welcome. So how are we doing? So we are doing really well in that now we know why you were called Hurricane and why you um, kept it after you left Philadelphia. It's so you would have a stage name. Why did you want a stage name? Most people are out to brand themselves. Come on. What's the story behind this? I actually, you know, I mean, so there's another joke about this. So, so I, I have been told for many years that I looked like The Rock. <laughs> So Dwayne Johnson, the actor, and you know all that good stuff, and uh, so he has his own The Rock, and that was kind of like you know the same concept. I needed something that would be just unique for the radio and the shows as Hurricane H. In addition, my name is not the easy one uh, out there. So Hisham, John, Alan, Mari. I mean, it's it gets heavy. <laughs> so I needed something a lot easier. <laughs> well, there you go, and it, they did pick a really good name for you because yep. you do have the energy. That comes in. Now, granted, you've got the connection to health through your career path. Yes. But very, 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 very few people in that corporate high pressure world start a radio podcast sense of reaching out to the world with ideas. What was behind that? Where did that inspiration come from? So, well, first of all, I've, I've always wanted to do something as a legacy and um you know after doing almost 27 years in this business i i did realize that there's not enough knowledge about the business or health in general that is in one place you can find health information anywhere i mean you go on google and you can pull up any you know article you want right there's podcasts here podcasts there, but i wanted more an idea of a channel just like there is the weather channel if you want weather I mean, other channels do, you know, uh, weather spots, but, but there is an actual weather channel. Uh, same, similarly, I wanted to have a health channel. So that's the I health channel. Now, I'm not a broadcasting over the satellite. I'm all, all online, so that's the I, I health radio. 
And uh, so I took that from just the concept of radio and also had a visual component. So I call it the iHealth channel. And the mission was to share, educate, inspire, motivate, and enlighten. And really just bringing it the 4-1 of the healthcare biz and interrelated fitness, wellness into the world and bringing some real value from guests that have experiences that share things. I mean, an example, I had Dr. Haim uh, the other day with Q&As about mental health and things like that. So it's something that people may not have access to directly or they may not get, you know, the real stuff, right? And, and, and the news and the media or the mainstream is a little, you know, I guess... Uh, mainstream. Scrutinized. Mainstream. It's scrutinized a little bit. It's hard. You know, you don't get the whole direct stuff. This is more an opportunity to have a direct line to the access to the real, you know, what's happening out there, what's, what's behind the scene, what's behind the current in, in health. And, you know, we started just in the middle of the beginning of, you know, COVID, so obviously things slowed down a little bit. But, but again, the shows remained, so I still have a lot of, you know, bookings right now. And then obviously the, the concept is to take it to the next level where we can bring in real value on taking people on the road to hospitals, to, uh, you know, where the healthcare is being made where it's being delivered. Uh, and that's really the concept. So it's really, that's one thing. And also I wanted, again, I, I mentioned legacy. Legacy to me is like, you wanna you know, have something that people, like positive stuff that you can share with people that they can actually use and also educate. I believe in knowledge to be handed down and shared, not just to be kept. And again, not everybody to your point does this or is even thinking about it. And that was the, the other thing. I'm always trying to be innovative and different. And that was one of them. You know, I want to be the first one to have that. And there you go. <laughs> so now it looks like that's the case. And uh, about almost a year and a half in the making. So that was, that was pretty much uh, <laughs> the story behind it. <laughs> that is really awesome. Okay, so now I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Because you said that there were several things that you wanted to accomplish with this. Several lanes. And you listed them all off. And I might have miscounted. But I want you to... Um, Take us through that. What were the things that you wanted this journey that you're on and bringing information to the world to accomplish? Well, you know, it's, it's delivering, you know, positivity, uh, motivation, uh, knowledge about health and anything that is health related. Uh, and, and really just, just there's no, I, I don't want things to be uh, covered up or things like that. I want people to see what it is for what it is. Um, you know, I, when I, when I put something out, it's really what it is. It's clear. It's, there's nothing, there's not, it's not censored. Uh, it's not, you know, pre-edited in terms of knowledge or, or content, things like that. We, I share exactly what's going on. So if I go to a place right now and do an interview, uh, it will be exactly what it is. If I see something, it will be the news. It will be the real things. Right. And, and ultimately it's also given an opportunity to other people to come on the channel and to the radio and share their value. And I mean, you know, the example I mean, we had is you on the show, a lot of people have received that message and learned, you know, even me, I've learned about suicide prevention and things like that, that I didn't know much about. And so, so that's important. And I think a lot of people, you're doing this work right now and this movement, which is a great movement, and it is to share the information. And that's the thing. I mean, information is available, but people get distracted. There's so much stuff out there that you can be watching on that day to the basis, listen to, and maybe not real value to you. 
but this is different. At least that's how I see it. And I want to do more with it. For example, I want to bring people closer to the HMO and the, the insurance world. We haven't had a reality show right now for insurance. We've seen other reality TV, but we haven't seen one. So that's something that's stuck in my future, right? That's, that's something I'm looking into. Uh, I'm looking at health and, 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 and fitness and wellness movies and, and maybe documentaries and stuff like that. So it's, it's beyond just where we are today. This is just the beginning of the journey, uh, but that's really the, the long-term goal. And for me, goals are part of my life. You know, I always set goals. So, you know, long-term, short-term, mid-term, there's always going to be something, a new venture, a new, uh, you know, task and a challenge. Okay, so now we understand, or uh, maybe people are starting to understand why the title of this episode was, I will drive you crazy. <laughs> I will drive you nuts. And I do that. You will love it. Okay, so the vision that you had for this, not the goal side, but the impact you wanted it to have. The power of this conversation for me is that most people that I run into, especially when I am talking with survivors, with people who have made an attempt or they have lost a loved one to suicide, the biggest thing is that they didn't realize the impact that they were having, that they could have, that they would have in the world. They didn't get that sense of self. Now, given that you have this name of hurricane, you got a sense pretty early on that you could impact the world. Was there ever a time that you weren't sure? Um, I wouldn't say there was a time I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, the doubt is always part of life, right? I mean, you kind of think of things and sometimes people will tell you you're never going to make it. It doesn't work. And, and one thing I use is I don't listen too much to, to that kind of, you know, uh, angle, that energy, right? I, I have, since I was a kid, this was always been my, my thing. I mean, I was, I was a younger, you know, person in, in, middle, in, in middle school and I had dreams, right? And uh, targets and goals and things like that. And I wanted to make an impact for me, for my family and, and, and just do something different. Even when I started in the industry, in the insurance world, I wanted to be different. I want to help people. And actually that's why I enjoyed what I've been doing all these years. I mean, doing sales and insurance is not easy as, as, a, as a job, but, but the satisfaction of helping so many lives over the years, uh, getting the right health. And we've, you hear that satisfaction when people say, you know, thank you. You gave me a best, you know, the right policy. You helped me out get my, my surgery, you helped me this and, and so on and so forth. I have friends right now that tell me like, you know, you were, it was you who gave me the insurance that helped me, you know, through my, my years with my kids. So stuff like that. So that impact, you know, strategy has always been with me. It's always been in, in, in literally in my body. It's like a gene, a gene in me. Right. And All right. Yeah, it helps. It helps. All right. So I'm going to take you back even younger then. Uh oh. Because <laughs> yeah. And, Let's and do it. This is, this is even fun for me. And because it sounds like you had an awareness that you wanted something different to happen in your life than what you were seeing around you. Yes, always. What were you seeing around you? Well, so I'll have to take you back to, to my, my humble beginnings as, as, as a child. So I, I, I was born overseas in, in Morocco and, um, English was not my first language. Uh, you know, ultimately, I spoke French and, and, and the dialect of, of Arabic. And um, so English was kind of like, you know, where I wanted to be because, I mean, Morocco is a French colony, so I learned French as a default. But I was not really thrilled with it as a language as much as I was thrilled with English, watching the movies and things like that. So I started learning English at an American school or American language center. And in there, there was this 
big sign that every year I was looking at and said, and this was when I was in elementary school. And it says, if you have a high school and you want to work in Epcot, you know, Disney World, Florida, you know, you can actually apply. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I wanted, I, I, that's exactly where it started for me. That was, that was like the first thing that I'm like, I want to be different. I want to go there. I want to be in Disney. I want to work there. And um, I wanted the American dream. I mean, obviously, when you're a kid overseas, you know, uh, maybe here, like even my kids, I tell them, you don't see it because you live here, you have everything up front. Over there is a little different. You know, you don't have a lot of money. Uh, it is not a, an advanced country. Either you have money or you don't, basically, family-wise, right? Okay, and so in, in Morocco, I'm going to slow that down just a second. What you're sure. saying is that there's not a middle class. Well, at the time it wasn't. Okay. When, yeah. So when, the now time. there's a little bit more of that. But back in the days, it's either you're rich or you, you don't have much, right? So, so my parents didn't have a lot. I mean, they were just, you know, just like a typical family living, you know, month to month, that kind of thing. Uh, dad worked, my mom didn't. And so that was it. And, but they had one thing and, you know, my dad didn't have much education. He had some education. My mom didn't have any. And so again, that's just what it is. I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm proud of my parents for, for until, you know, uh, the end, right? Um, the, the, they, they just did one thing. They invested in me and my education. They wanted me to have a better education, things like that. So whatever that had to do with that, they put in for me, right? They supported it. Um, they didn't, Go, they didn't go to school. They didn't do my homework, things like that. So I had to do everything on my own. And also an, an, a lonely child. So I was just the one and the only kid. So, ah, <laughs> yeah. That's makes another. a difference. I'm the youngest of four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's two different worlds. So, so, yes, in a way, it's easier when you have one child, right? And by the way, in our culture, technically, one child was actually uh, a unique case because most of the families, like my dad had 12, you know, brothers and sisters. <laughs> so he, wow. he was, he was like the, the opposite of, of the trend. Right. And again, because he realized his limitations and, 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 you know, they, they wanted to give the best to me in terms of what they could afford. You know, one of the things is they, you know, the best thing you can do is have education and support it. So when I said I wanted to learn English, when I said, I wanted an opportunity to go to the U.S. and things like that. You know, they didn't stop it. I wanted to go to a good university. They didn't stop it. They supported it. Now, of course, I did my part and got a full scholarship uh, for school. Uh, now, this was an international school, and it was in tourism. And so, so as I was looking at that sign year after year, I, I figured, like, even with high school, what am I going to do if I came to the U.S. And, and just get a gig there, right? I mean, it's nice, but what's the deal? What's when, what, when you finish, what happens? So I had to make sure that I get my degrees and things like that before I can entertain that. It just happened that I took a degree in sales and marketing in the hospitality or tourism. And so I got hired by Disney eventually <laughs> once I got my degree. And that's how it, the journey began in the U.S. And so I took the leap from, you know, North Africa to the U.S., Wow. Uh, got flew, you know, got, got into the, 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 in Florida. It was, it was a beautiful, uh, welcome, you know, by committee there from Disney. And I had a blast. I had a great year. I was actually part of the, uh, Epcot center showcase at, you know, um, in the Moroccan pavilion. So I was a tour guide. So I, I was taking people on tours. I explained to them, you know, how, how, you know, what the culture is, things like that, you know, explain to them about the history of Morocco, the interaction, the, the history of Morocco and the U.S., all kind of stuff, you know, the wedding. I mean, a lot of people have questions. I mean, it's a Muslim uh, country by, by default. It has a Jewish uh, heritage. And, and a lot of people didn't understand how that worked dynamics-wise. And it was just a great opportunity for me to educate people about it. So the educating part was always there. And I always loved sharing those things and sharing that story, sharing the information. And so that, that was the beginning. And I got, he, I got there, 
contract finished in, in, in Disney. So I had to find something different. I, I met my, my first wife and we got married and the rest is history. I stayed. <laughs> so that was it. Okay. That's pretty amazing. And that's a really fast history. And yes. the beauty of that story is you are so much a force to be reckoned with in the health industry. And now you're coming into the media space with bringing information in and leaving a legacy. Because you are, you are uh, prolific in the space. I mean, you pump out content faster than I do, and that's saying a lot. So the value of understanding where you came from, what motivated you, how your parents' decision to break from tradition Mm -hmm. and have only one child and invest in the one child in a tradition of large families. Mm -hmm. The um, belief that you have about yourself from their decision is what? What did you know about yourself early on? Is that, is that no one can do it for me. I have to do it myself. I had no choice. I had to, you know, uh, I mean, if I didn't, I would, probably have failed everything in my life. I had to focus. I had to really set, you know, goals. And I had, like, you almost have to become a, a mature adult at a younger age and, and really kind of have to survive, you know, and, and be able to succeed. And okay. you know, you hold, it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold yeah, it. Yeah. Who taught you to set goals? Because in most educational systems, the, the goal setting is based on what the teachers want to see. To be honest with you, no one. Uh, I mean, no one that I remember, you know, in terms of uh, either teaching or, or, or any of that. It's always been, so, so since I was a kid, I mean, my parents sent me to like, you know, summer camps and, uh, you know, like almost like Boy Scouts things. And, you know, and maybe that's where I learned my, my discipline and things like that. Because when you do these things, you learn to fix your bed. You look, do you, basic things. I mean, as a kid, I mean, I'm talking about seven-year-old, eight-year-old. This was like even as a young age. And uh, that's kind of thing, right? So, so I had to do my own. I had to be responsible for my own education. I had to be, you know, responsible for like, you know, literally getting up early and getting prepared. And, uh, you know, obviously mom, you know, fixed the breakfast and things like that and sent me to school. But, but the idea is like, you know, if I did not do it, my parents trusted me and that was it. If I failed, you know, if I failed, it would have been the end of it, right? Uh, and I, I, I would never wanted to, at the time, even betrayed and they trusted me and just fail. And so that was a, maybe the motivator, you know, because I knew what I, I had to, to achieve for them because I wanted to make a difference for them. Like I wanted to be the first one to finish, let's say college at the time, you know, for my family uh, and, and do something different and, and be like, my mom used to dream of me like becoming a, this director and running, you know, a company and things like that when I was a kid. And so maybe that was it. I mean, it's all subconscious at the time and it's just hidden that you want to fulfill those, those dreams for them, I guess, and show them that you can. And also the opportunity to even support my mom and things like that. Cause my dad eventually passed away and, and, you know, my mom lives with me. I'm, I'm her caretaker. Wow. Yeah, I take care of her. I'm like, I'm her caregiver and things, you know, so, so she's been with me for the last three years and uh, you know, I'm the one who takes good care of her. Right. And so, so whatever she wants, she gets that kind of thing. And, you know, obviously with my family, you know, and so on. So I have, I have three kids uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, and, and again, my kids right now are teenagers. Uh, I have, you know, a 15 and a 14. 
and I've had a teenager who's actually now 25 years old already, but, but you know, so, so, so that's, that's more or less the life. So going back to your question about uh, the, the goal, who taught you about setting goals? I think that just, it all kind of came up from the same, you know, uh, piece of, of, you actually answered my question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, one, one, the answer was, oh, yes. go ahead. What? No, I was going to add one more thing that may yeah. also have contributed. So one thing that my parents were very, very keen on is that I would not get in trouble, would not fight, get arguments. I was bullied when I was a kid and didn't matter. Uh, they would not allow me to fight back or even, you know, challenge people. But one thing they did, they actually did put me into uh, a karate school at the time. And, um, and, and, and uh, in that particular platform, I was able to learn also additional discipline because in martial arts, you know, you have that. And believe it or not, at the age of 14, I was already instructing even adults in terms of the martial arts. And so, so the instruction piece, the, 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 the organized piece, the, the, uh, the streamlining things okay. and just You're being, being yeah. yeah. I, I, the, the main thing I picked up first, and we're going to come back to this other sure. bullying story for just a minute. <laughs> but, but first I want to just say, Hurricane, there is one thing that your parents gave you that I think if more parents could get at their heads wrapped around this one thing, at a very, very young age, your parents trusted you. Yes. yes. They trusted you to take advantage of the education that they were providing, the opportunities. They trusted you to follow through on this. So that's a huge gift. I mean, that is like where most people struggle when we talk about the challenges in life. And we've been working through this in various pieces in some of the episodes is this idea that if you can trust yourself, you will be much further along and further away from the edge. So they trusted you. Now, the other thing that they did for you is they kept you from defaulting into the behaviors of your community, you know, to, to not fall into being part of the bully dynamic. And they empowered you to become, um, how can we say, a less desirable target. Let's face it. Bullies <laughs> don't tend to target people who are self-confident. And that's one of the hallmarks of martial arts is that it builds confidence. Yeah, because you know, if somebody's going to give you a hard time, they're not exactly going to get away with it if they strike first. Because I'm, you know, I mean, I grew up, I loved the Kung Fu show. All right. So, you're the original David Carradine, uh -huh. you know, somebody comes at you, redirect rather than check. Yeah. Check I, rather I like, than name. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> name rather than kill and right. kill rather than be killed. And I thought, you know, if we just started that way in life with redirecting people's energy, they would kind of get the idea that they can't strike sparks with us, that they're not going to get their emotional need met. We're not going to react. And that lesson from martial arts is so beautiful in this context of how do you help suicide-proof your child? What if they could learn to redirect? whatever negative energy came at them, whether it was from a bully or whether it was from their environment in some other way, what if 
they could redirect that and not get caught up in it. Well, the, the fact is, I mean, it, you're, there's a couple of points here. One is you mentioned it about the parents giving the trust factor and sheltering you from, from having to deal with the nonsense of, of your community and the bullies and stuff. Now, again, well, let me just talk about the bullying for, for just a second. So what it was that, I mean, I was a younger kid, you know, in terms of like my community or at least my neighborhood. Um, uh, at the time, I mean, I was literally more advanced in education. So I, I, I focused more in school and things like that. So I skipped a couple of, you know, years and things like that. So anyways. Aha. Okay. So wait, we, we're going to slow this down so that we get the setup here. Okay. <laughs> you had skipped ahead a couple of grades. Yes. So you're a couple of years younger. Correct. And, and it didn't and help. You're, and you're a very motivated student. Uh, and so That's that was something not, about you that makes you a little different, which is one of the risk factors in my oh, world. I was a target. <laughs> all right. Now that we have that scenario, what happened? Well, so basically, you know, you get picked on all the time. So, so you get picked on for two reasons. If you go to school, you know, they don't like you because you're the little, you know, nerdy kid. And, and also you're like the, the, the mommy or daddy kid, like, you know, who's being protected and, you know, uh, go to school, you don't hang out, you don't do anything with, with the rest of them, right? So that was the first one. And then in your neighborhood, when you hang out with your friends around the block, whatever, uh, and I, again, I was, it was Central City, so it was really just the, 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 like the center of, of the, the, the capital, and, uh, which is a nice neighborhood and everything. But, but the kids, you know, always like pick on you because you're smaller, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you know, the, again, the gigi one, you don't play, you don't do things, or you do different things than them. They want to play in the street, you're in martial arts, or you're in school, whatever. So that was kind of like, you know, the beginning. And as I started learning martial arts, they knew also that. So they always try to test you. That's the thing. They've been testing me all along. And they try to push you, they try to hit you, they do stuff. And some of them did hit. And, you know, I go to, to my parents like, guys, I can't allow them to do this. <laughs> I said, no, you're not going to fight. You're not going to do any of that. You know, you can do it, but you're not doing it. And, you know, it was, it was painful at the, at the beginning because it was hard to actually really just stay down and keep you cool because they, they really push. But eventually, to your point, when they can't get to you, they just let you, let you be. They leave you alone. And now they start appreciating you because you're not the kid that's going to drive them nuts. You're not the kid that's going to fight back. And then now they start like trying to be your friend. And it eventually happened where the same folks started like really becoming your friends. <laughs> so, so that was, that was actually, a, a, you know, a, an interesting part of my life. And, uh, and I, 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 I'm proud to say it. I mean, you know, the bullying part actually made me stronger. <laughs> it, it didn't hurt me uh, as much as, you know, most, it, you know, some people actually, it's hard because they do that to you and, and you buy into it. I just didn't buy into it. That's all. That was it. The ability that you developed through the martial arts, the ability that you developed through having parents that were absolutely bedrock in their beliefs about what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. There, there was nothing wishy-washy about your parents saying, you will not fight back. So the martial arts training mm -hmm. gave you the ability to stay calm. Oh, because yes. you knew that your life was never going to be in danger. Oh, yes. I, it, to date. I mean, 
uh, you know, it, it does help you to, to evaluate things differently. And I use a lot of the concepts that I learned since the beginning in martial arts. I'm still, I still do practice. Uh, I've used the same technique sometimes even in business and corporate world in terms of training and discipline, things like that. But the one thing that, you know, to your point is that it does pre help you prevent yourself literally from going crazy and just reacting. You don't just get mad immediately and, and, and lose your cool. Uh, you can oppose, you kind of look at, and I, and, and I even say this, the best fight is the one that never happened. And so, so if you can avoid the fight, you can avoid any situation where it's, in, it's dangerous, you can. We, and we have control over some of it. Now, if you get to the point of, of the Kung Fu movie, if you get to the point where it's your life versus somebody else, that's a different story. And you can still, I guess, deflect enough to, to avoid any dangerous situation there. But also another thing that it teaches is that you can uh, almost foresee issues foresee conflict and avoid it in advance like i would i would walk in a situation right now in the street and if i see something that's not you know i can almost gauge that mm, this is not cool i'm just gonna go to the other route and change my my my, my destination or just you know step back and move around and i've been in a situation when I, I i almost noticed things that were not going to be right and i just moved on and avoid it so it does help in terms of you know be mind as we say, be mindful of your surrounding type of thing. And, and, and it does work. And, okay, and I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you because what you just said was so beautiful and the power of it is amazing in this context. Mm -hmm. When they studied communication mm -hmm. and the percentages vary by the study, but around 7% of our communication is based on our words. And about 38% is based on our tonality and rate of speech. Mm -hmm. And the other 55% is based on body language. That's right. So understanding body language gives you the ability to receive information from people at a distance and to be able to keep aggression at a distance because it's in the body language. You don't have to get close enough for them to say something. You know, that's a lesson worth learning that I had forgotten about. I mean, I'm, I'm a dancer. And so, you know, dancing is all about communicating your moves. And martial arts, what little I studied of it, was all about not communicating your moves in advance. That's right. Yeah. You, you don't telegraph. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, um, I had the argument between the two sides of my brain on this one. But for you in this context is... My God, the benefit of martial arts is that you can get the communication at a distance. Yes. That's huge. You can see it. You can avoid it. You can even communicate if you want to. If I wanted to show someone that I'm in business, they can understand that without even making movement. And sometimes that in itself serves as a purpose. You don't have to go beyond. When people realize that it's, you're not going to be an easy, you know, uh, take or pray or just, you know, a quick, you know, one, two, three, and they're going to have to deal with you a little differently. People tend to eventually just not, don't mess with you. Even in dress code, uh, I, I have this, this fun joke, you know, when we travel when, you know, my, my, my kids and I, my wife, especially if we take road trips, I dress differently. I dress a little bit more like, you know, 
camouflage, you know, you know, shorts and maybe like, you know, some, some, some stuff that looks a little bit like scarier or like, you know, tougher. And, and it's just like literally using nature. Uh, and it sounds weird. And, you know, people are looking at, you know, probably like, well, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but, but really it does help because people look at you like they, they do gauge from a distance. Like, is this, you know, a bad guy? Is it a good guy? Is it a tough guy? And, and, and just automatically they either, now some can be curious, but I've have not had those cases. People tend to just, just walk the other way. They don't mess with you. They don't come close. And so, so again, it's like, it's literally an animal, you know, uh, uh, trait where they use it in, in camouflage and things like that in real world, in, in the real world, in, in, in the jungle. Uh, and we see it in, in, in a lot of, you know, species. So I use the same concept. Like if you show that you're like, you know, you inflate yourself, whatever, you know, some of the animals do that, it works. And in, in training in martial arts, you can do those things. And it's part of some of the, the, the techniques that we've learned over certain arts. And it does work. And, and, and it's, and on the flip side, I can also play very weak and play very like, you know, easy if I yeah. wanted to, to play the reverse and, and be able to, to shock people. Yeah, be, <laughs> so, be more, be more um, available. Exactly. exactly. And because then, then people will just think that they got the upper hand and then they lose the cool. And before you, they know it, it's over. But, but that's, that's another tactic. I mean, there's, there's martial arts is, is in itself a whole world of, 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 dealing with 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 structure dealing with things and, and environment and it does help and, and again it applies to real life there is nothing in yeah. martial art does not apply in real life absolutely and so the value of this conversation in my mind mm -hmm. is that it will help people clarify where do you want to invest your time what do you want to learn because learning how to read body language mm -hmm. is a very useful tool i mean I came through all of, not all of them, I came through a bunch of different sales trainings and a bunch of different personality assessments. You know, they have them now, they've got the bank for communication and they've got DISC for management and they've got all of these different, you know, Myers-Briggs back in the day. And I guess it's still around. I don't hear about it as much anymore. The power of understanding what motivates people is the biggest boom to our mission to stop teen suicide because we started understanding what motivated a bully and we started understanding what was actually happening at the moment that someone decided that dying was better than living and understanding these things informed everything that we've done hurricane you came into america with an understanding that bullies exist Mm -hmm. that you can't do it the same way everybody else does. You could have come to Epcot with a high school diploma. I could, yes. And you chose to delay the trip to America and get a degree. What a great gift that is to realize that, hey, sometimes the fastest path may not be the best path, which... Who knows? Yeah, but it that, gives people options. That that is a fact. And uh, if I may, one more one more piece that may mm -hmm. help. You know, just to, to to give some some idea. So so when my contract finished from from Disney, just an example, right? I actually came to New York not knowing anyone. I mean, I had literally a bag. I took took the the bus from JFK <laughs> into Manhattan and just went to youth hostel. And then I tried to find a job, and 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 my journey began there. And and you know, 
the reason I mentioned this specific item is because when I was in Florida, I had friends who actually remained behind, you know, that were with me, our contracts finished. And they all kind of looked at me like I had three heads, like, what are you doing? You know, we can just be literally relocating across the street from our apartment here. And just, you know, there's plenty of opportunity here. It's like, well, I'm just, I, I think I can, I, I, I want, I came in, I crossed the ocean for better opportunities and I'm not just going to be here working, you know, doing some, some regular job. I want to do something as a career path. And, and that was it. So I took a leap of faith and, uh, you know, again, always looking at, you know, that same aim of achieving those goals and the dreams, even my mom's dream to see you as a, as, as a, as a son, you know, achieving some of the, the, uh, the good, you know, uh, milestones in life. And, uh, that was it. So, so my friends literally, you know, I mean, they, they looked at you like, really, you're crazy. And even when I did this, the, the podcast, people were like, are you crazy? Who's going to listen to you? <laughs> and, and people like sometimes make you doubt, like, you know, you can do it, but you have to be firm and you have to believe in yourself and, and know that you can succeed and you will succeed as long as you don't give up. You just keep at it. So again, I don't know. I just wanted to, to highlight that item because I think it is, it is a powerful point where, you know, people will tell you, you know, people will, you know, put your brains, you know, at, you know, like, oh my God, you know, hey, what makes you special? We all special. And that's the other thing, you know, I mean, I have different concepts I use, you know, just to keep me pumped and, and they work for me. And actually I share them with people and it works for people too. And, and some of them are just simple, believe in yourself and, uh, and just know that if you want something and there is a will for it, there's going to be a way, find a way. And there's plenty of ways and there's plenty of resources. And, and one more thing, even my kids, I tell them this, uh, you know, you have so much opportunity, you know, that if you travel around the world, you'll see that some people are less fortunate in a lot of ways. And, you know, and I've seen poverty and I, I can still see poverty, even the U.S. there's poverty, but, but the levels of discrepancy, the level of, of, of disparity between, you know, our level of poverty in some other places, the resources we have, the education potential we have, things like that here, it's, it's very, very, very advanced compared to other places. And there's little that some other people do. So we have what it takes. We just have to leverage everything the right way and make it work. There's a theory going around that the very fact that we have all of these resources has removed the need to have the determination. I, I would tend to agree because it, we take it for granted. It's there. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it's bad. You know, when, 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 when you think everything is available to you, you don't, you don't value anymore. So this idea of wanting something enough that you actually have to strive for it, you know, that's a uh, topic that I would love to see you exploring. Sure. People, getting people to tap into their desire, to a desire strong enough that it actually motivates them to resist the pull of their peers, if you will, like that story you just shared so well about leaving Florida. You know, this is very true that it is so easy to go along with the crowd and to settle for good enough. And it's different when you say, that's not good. That's good enough for you. That's right. but That's not good enough for me. And so you walked away from what was familiar again, the same way that you walked away from Morocco to the United States. Now, obviously you found your home in New York City. I mean, there is no doubt the energy of that city you just thrive on. 
I love it. So, I have to say, I love New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, people were putting in the chat, if you can make it there. You yeah. can make it anywhere. <laughs> there you go. It's up to you. New York. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. So the reality is that your ability to decide for yourself what you wanted and to give yourself permission to want it enough that no one else's expectations could dissuade you. Yes, and, and that's going to remain until, you know, until I retire, which even that I don't think I want to retire anytime soon. Uh, but, but again, my retirement is really doing this. And that's, that's really I, I was going to say, you get on a mission because this is what's happened for me. Yeah. You know, I took on a mission. Retirement doesn't exist anymore. When I had a business, it was a possibility. With a mission, with one that I, you know, I'll be honest, the scariest thing I ever did was the day that I said, I'm going to do this, and I know I can't do it alone. I've been a solopreneur most of my adulthood. You know, I'd looked around at a very young age, and there wasn't anybody else around to take care of things. So that's the belief system I grew up with was that, you know, it's up to me. And that's a great way to be a solopreneur. It's a really lousy way to, to build a movement, to try to do it by myself. And it's taken me this year and a half since, um, or a little more than that now, it's been almost two years since my daughter Stephanie broke the silence. That was August the 3rd, 2019. It's taken almost all of this time, Hurricane, for me to accept where, that I took on something I cannot do alone and it's forcing me to figure out how to work with people. It's not a skill set that I had other than working one-on-one -on -one with my clients, put me in front of a room I can teach, but actually motivate, work with, build a team out. It's like, this is all foreign territory to me. And so when you said that, yes, you would come on the show and you would you know, allow me to interview you, I'm like, oh, cool. This is like getting free coaching from Hurricane. I'm in. Yeah. And I know that that is one of the things that you said you wanted to give to people. You wanted to give them access. And so I love that if somebody is truly motivated, and I'm going to put a filter in place for you. Okay. I'm going to give people the link to your podcast, but nothing else. Because if they're not motivated enough to figure out how to get in touch with you, they are not motivated enough to be able to get benefit from talking to you. Will that work for you? That would be awesome and that would be great. That works. Okay. Because you offered to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, yes. and I'm like, oh my God, I am so going to put some parameters around this to protect you. <laughs> well, again... I, I've, I've always been available to people and even at work, I've created programs, you know, within the companies where we have these one-on-ones where people need to change paths and things like that. And it's worked. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome because people have questions. How did you do it? What is your, your, your secret sauce? There's no secret sauce. There's, there's formulas, there's systems you put in place and there's also your will. And, and, but we can talk about that and it's individualized. I mean, everybody has their own ways. And once you know what they have, you can work with that. And I've done that in trainings. I've coached people. I've, I've, I've mentored leaders and it works. 
So again, that's my gift. And I, I'd be more than happy to share that, my story, and beyond what I just covered here in, in the last 45 minutes. But, but certainly there's plenty that we can, you know, talk about to help people, you know, guide them and give them all the motivation they need. Thank you so much for everything that you do, Hurricane, and for making the time to Thank come you. on the show. Thank you. It's, it's been great. Thank you for the invitation. You are very, very welcome. And with that, we are going to call that a wrap. We've got 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Hurricane, please take with you all of our love and support. And if you would please um, continue to do what you're doing. Thank you. I will. <laughs> and I will probably have you back on the show. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I would love to be on your show again. I had so much fun. So the link to the podcast is in the chat. It'll be in the show notes. Everyone enjoy the break and we'll be back. Hang on. The ride gets more interesting from here. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.